TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. We were discussing earlier the piece up on ESPN.com about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and uh, what led to the dealing of the franchise quarterback to the Denver Broncos, whom they meet on Monday Night Football. Very soon. Uh, And to talk a little bit more about it and uh, share some extra thoughts on it, we bring on the man who wrote it, Brady Henderson, joining us now. Go check him out on Twitter, at Brady Henderson. Thanks for taking a few minutes for us, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. We're doing fantastic. Look, uh, this was a really long piece, and um, I we were talking as we were kind of piecing it uh, apart earlier, is that you did a really good job of putting together a very long timeline in history between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and what kind of led to this riff happening because it wasn't just like one big thing that happened. It was a bunch of small nicks that led to – um, the the team and the quarterback going their separate ways. As you were kind of putting it, all of this together, was there anything that really stuck out to you and surprised you that you didn't know before about Russell Wilson and that relationship with the team? Um, not so much the relationship. I, I think you know anybody who has covered the team and followed the situation uh, closely for the last few years realized that there was tension between uh, Wilson and the organization over – um, you know, him feeling like he was being held back by, um, you know, the offense and some of the personnel decisions and not feeling like he had an offensive line that was uh, up to snuff and all that. Like, really, the, the new information um, in the story, and the story fleshes a lot of that out, but I think the stuff that's not really been written about much, if at all, is the fact that, you know, the Seahawks, they obviously had to have their reasons for uh, moving on from him because they didn't have to trade him. And that reason was that, you know, some people in the building felt like he was a declining player just with the fact that, um, you know, so much of what has made him an elite quarterback worthy of all those big money contracts and all, all the big money that he's made is his ability to get outside the pocket and create on the run and all of that and to extend plays. And they felt like, you know, as he's gotten, over 30 uh, that he just doesn't have that same escapability. And so them knowing that, you know, he would be up for another contract extension next off season, if he had stayed in Seattle, I think that was their big motivation to trade him. I mean, look, you know, look at how toxic the situation in green Bay was between Aaron Rodgers and mm-hmm. the Packers. It, it would arguably that it, it arguably was, I think 
radioactive compared to this situation uh, in Seattle. And they made that work. Green Bay did with a, another big contract. And the big difference there is that Rodgers, you know, won the last two MVP awards. And they feel like even though he's an older player that, you know, he's still going to get done. And the Seahawks did not have that same confidence in Wilson. What's really interesting is the, the way you broke this down. And again, it's, it's incredibly well-written. So thank you for that. But the, there's not a, there's not a point in here where it's a conclusion where it's the Seahawks did this or the, or the, the Russell Wilson did this. It's here's the facts. And here's kind of where we end up. What is interesting to me is the legacy play in all of this for Russell Wilson. It's kind of the line that you ended on is, is a, a, a play, a place for Wilson to build his legacy in Denver. When did it become a legacy play in Seattle? And what was kind of what led to that change from the Legion of Boom era into Russell Wilson and, and to kind of, I, I look at it at least from at least the, the evidence that's presented is kind of the spark point for everything. Yeah, certainly that was, that was a huge part of it, but I don't think that really developed over time. I mean, that was, you know, he was talking about that uh, to people that became part of his inner circle. I mean, he was, he was very conscious of his legacy and building that and securing that. And, and he was talking about that even before he got to the NFL. So, um, he has always been a guy who has very, very lofty goals. Um, I, I wrote a, a story on his late father uh, a couple of years ago. It was 10 years after he had passed away. And that was, he very much gets that from his father. And, um, you know, he went into the NFL with the goal to, to win three Super Bowls. That's, that's what he has since said. And so I don't think that whole legacy thing was really a new thing. I think he, he always, he always was very concerned about that. And, very much wanted to secure that. And over time, he just felt like the Seahawks um, weren't putting him in position to do that because of all the things that, um, you know, we've talked about. And, you know, the MVP uh, was part of that. He, he feels like the MVP is part of that legacy, but it's not, it's not just a, a selfish individual thing because he's, you know, very much considered Super Bowls to be a huge part of that. And um, so it's it's not like he was totally looking out for himself because he wanted to win games and he wanted to win Super Bowls, but there was a, a kind of individual goal aspect of that as well. We're talking with Brady Henderson. ESPN uh, covers the Seahawks for the worldwide leader, and you were you have the in this piece about Russ and the Seahawks uh, drifting apart. It, it was Pete Carroll, the last guy to kind of sign off on a willingness to trade um, Russell Wilson. We saw when Russ kind of came into the NFL and when he left Seattle, he almost took on Pete's mannerisms too, <laughs> you know, over those years that they were together. That relationship and, and how long was it before Pete finally said, okay, until the deal got done? Like how long was John Schneider working uh, on the back end of things, trying to line something up before he got the okay from Pete? Um, yeah, I think, and, and, you know, there was, there was multiple people in the building who felt, um, you know, that he was, he was, his best days were behind him and that, um, you know, there was some concern about the upcoming contract and stuff, but yeah, Pete Carroll, I think, you know, with, by virtue of him having final say in the organizational decisions, you know, he was a guy that obviously had to be on board with that. And, um, you know, I was told that for a very long time, he was resistant to that idea and felt like he could deal with you know, the constant trade speculation and that sort of drama. Um, and then I don't know if it was one thing necessarily that changed that, but, but he did eventually come around to that. And 
Um, I think that, you know, one of the turning points there was when he and Wilson spoke after this past season. Um, it, from what I understand, that's, that's when he really started to come around to it. Kind of looking at the timeline, at least the way that it, I, I, I at least read it, <laughs> was the, the first real wedge point, because there's, there's certainly like little spark points that are on here, but the, the first real, real wedge point feels like possibly when the Seahawks had real discussions about trading Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns for the number one overall pick. Is that, is that correct, or am I just reading between the lines incorrectly? No, I, I no, that yeah, I, I think you're right, and that was you know the, the, a year before that, you know they had kind of shown some interest in Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Remember, John Schneider was at that pro day as well, and uh, then did the same thing in 2018 with Josh Allen. And you know, it, it's one thing for John Schneider to pop across Lake Washington and to attend, you know, the University of Washington's pro day you know, if they had a big name quarterback there, but these are, these are remote campuses in the middle of Wyoming and in the middle of West Texas. And so he very much stood out there and um, that got the attention of Wilson's camp. And then obviously they heard that uh, the Seahawks had made a call to the Browns uh, inquiring about whether or not they might have any interest in in the number one and swapping Wilson for the number one overall pick. That conversation never went anywhere at all, but it did get back to, uh, to, to Wilson's camp and that I think um, yeah it, it upset them and it made them wonder hey what's going on here um, and I think ultimately it, it kind of fractured um, the, I think their side kind of lost faith in Seattle uh, at that point. Yeah. Brady it's really interesting though that you as you're reading through the article though it, it seems like although there were the tensions between them it never felt like the Seahawks during the season were out on Russell Wilson or vice versa. Russell Wilson was out on the Seahawks. Is that a fair description of, of kind of the final couple of seasons where we knew there were frustrations, but both sides seemed all in on each other during, during the seasons in those 17 weeks. Yes. And, and, you know, I didn't, this didn't make it into the story. Uh, It got cut out, but you know, there was a blurb in there about how um, right after Wilson vented publicly in 2021. Remember, that was after the Super Bowl where he had uh, gone on the Dan Patrick show and, and had talked about his pass protection. From what I heard, a month later, he was hounding Chris Carson and blowing up Chris Carson's phone about trying to get him to resign with the Seahawks when he hit free agency. Uh, one coach told me that Wilson would text him at 5 in the morning once practices started, getting ready for the day's work. And then, you know, he hurt his finger uh, made it back really quickly from that and, and really put in a lot of work to do that. So um, it sounds to me like, and, and one coach even said this, that he was all in. And, you know, Wilson, people who know him talk about how good he is at compartmentalizing. And everything I've heard is that that's what he did after those frustrations that he had, that he really put those on the back burner with a plan to revisit them after the season. Uh, and he was he was very much focused on winning in 2021. With where the Seahawks are now, are are they content with how that relationship ended and, and again where they're kind of going now going forward? Obviously, there's they're in a in a, a, a weird spot as it pertains to the quarterback position in, in particular. But are are they happy with how everything kind of transpired in the end as far as the return that they got on the package for Russ and kind of where that sticks them going forward? Or is there still I don't want to say bad blood, but is there still some unsorted feelings there? Oh, I'm, I'm sure that there is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think this was, 
in some ways it was an amicable uh, departure. Like when, when they actually said goodbye, uh, everything I've heard is that that was amicable. But there are still, I think, some um, – yeah, there, there is still some animosity, uh, I believe, on, on both sides, even if it isn't outward. Um, and in terms of where the Seahawks feel like they are, I mean, look, they getting Drew Locke back in that trade was was significant for them because there's people in the building who very much believe in him that he has the potential uh, to be to turn into something. And they, you know, that's not that they were putting all of their eggs in that basket. I mean, he's under contract for this season only, and he's not making very much money. So they're by no means banking on that. Um, and they've got, you know, the, the first and second round, the extra first and second round pick next year. And, you know, look, I think there's, we all know that there's a really good chance that they're going to use that draft capital uh, to go get a quarterback next year. I, I wouldn't write lock off completely just because I don't think that um, him losing that quarterback battle was entirely a reflection of him. I, I think that whole battle was kind of skewed towards Geno Smith, especially when Locke missed uh, the time that he did with mm-hmm. COVID. And so, mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I think Drew Locke is going to see the field at some point this season. He's going to have a chance to show them um, that he's worth, you know, all of the, the, the promise that they saw in him. But, um, you know, they know that they're not committed to him beyond this season, and they know that they've got a ton of draft capital in next year's draft to, to go get their guy if it doesn't end up being Drew Locke. Well, the NFL season is upon us. It all gets underway tomorrow. The Seahawks and the Broncos, the last ones to kick off the season, Monday Night Football up in uh, Seattle's Russell Wilson comes back to <laughs> Seattle uh, in the lime green unis that Seattle will be re- wearing. Brady, thank you so much for taking the time for us. And again, fantastic job uh, on this piece, just kind of outlining the, the split between Russ and the Seahawks. Thank you, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. See ya. There he is, Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 